Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. This is Jose Palomino with another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And we've been developing a, a, a kind of a mini series looking at the idea of strategy and especially strategy as it relates to owner led or let's call it the SMB, SME, mid market kind of companies, uh, primarily in B2B, right? Where strategy really matters but could sometimes feel like a little bit of a heady concept. And as a result, sometimes people don't give it as much attention, as much intention as it requires. So we talked about five key questions uh, that you need to ask to start building a growth strategy. And certainly when you look at something as broad as strategy, uh, we don't presume that five questions covers everything or that these are the only topics you might have to consider but they really simplify the discussion and make it possible for you to talk with your leadership team around strategy in a way that can connect a lot of people to the core ideas. And those five key questions, and we're going to delve into one of them today, but we're going to start in the order, right? Which is uh, first, what key measurable objectives, what key measurable objectives will you track, create a goal for, and then forecast? So you track it so you could look back in time over how close are you to having achieved that measurable uh, objective. You can therefore establish some goals for yourself. And then you can actually track uh, from a forecasting point of view how you're doing or how you predict you'll be doing. And when I talk about forecasts, you know, usually you look at this year, at least six months into the future, at least a year into the future, if possible, like next year, what do you think you'll do? Now, none of us have an actual crystal ball. And, uh, you know, just the economy as it stands right now, all the things happening in the world stage, having come out of the last uh, two and a half years from the pandemic, uh, clearly we know there are things way above your pay grade. Even if you were like Tim Cook at Apple, it wouldn't matter. There are things that are bigger than any one of us. And if you're the owner operator of a company in that $20, $30 million range, uh, it's certainly way above your pay grade. And, and we understand that, but that doesn't mean you can't be intentional and you don't have some control over some elements of your business. And the first thing is really understanding those key uh, measurable objectives, the things that you're going to put in front of your team and keep everybody kind of focused on. The second question is what customers and uh, decision makers are ideally matched to your distinct value, the thing that you do best. So what customers and then decision makers within those customers. So you don't want to say aerospace and Boeing, maybe, but who at Boeing? Is it the head of engineering? Is it head of procurement? Is it head of sales? Whatever it is you're, you're offering that you focus on them as an ideal customer, um, what makes them ideal for you? And then how do you uniquely solve that target customer's important challenges? Not all their important challenges, but at least some of the important challenges in a way that you align your what you're doing to something that matters to them um, with some level of urgency. 
if what you're offering has no importance to anybody there, no, it, it's not clear to them how you solve a, something that matters to them, then you're going to have a hard time getting traction and growth will always be challenging for you. Then the, uh, the, the fourth question we want to look at is how will you reach and connect to those target customers? How are you going to get them? And then finally, how will you expand the volume and value of the business you enjoy from these target customers? A volume is not, it's not just a matter of like, well, drop your price all the way down and you'll increase volume. Uh, that only works to a point and it never is healthy for a small business, in our opinion, in the decades I've been doing this working with companies in this category, it's never a good idea to try to be the low cost provider unless you are the low cost buyer. If you have access to lower cost materials, lower cost uh, labor, et cetera, uh, then you can go after the low cost position. And that's usually a position of very large companies that achieve substantial scale, or you have a proprietary process that allows you to make the widget for far less than your competitors can make the widget. Then you can possibly compete on price. I would argue though, if you had those advantages, there might be other dimensions that you could differentiate on and not necessarily uh, have to give up margin uh, to do that. So today, what I wanna focus on are the, is the first question. Uh, what, will you, what key measurable objectives will you track? And we suggest four that are worthwhile tracking and uh, you may come up with others. I, I would say limit, and, and most of these questions we try to answer in somewhere in the area of like four dimensions of four dynamic elements that are worth looking at. Uh, because when you get beyond that, it's hard to convey that to your leadership team, to the rest of the troops. It just feels overly heady and complex. And so each of these questions, these five questions I went through, have like four things that you wanna look at to answer. And you may pick one, two, three, or all four. You may think, hmm, how about this other thing? And sure, if that's something that motivates and helps you stay uh, focused on what you're trying to do as a company and help you answer the other four questions, then that's fine. But let me offer these four as a, uh, as a starting point. And I think for most of us will be very valid. The first one that seems the most obvious is revenue, right? Do we have a revenue goal? And, and I know a lot of people say, well, revenue, it's about profits. And yes, of course, we'll get to that. But you need the top of the funnel activity to get margin, then to get profits. You can be the most efficient business in the world in your category, but if you don't have revenue, it doesn't matter. And revenue has a way of being truth serum, especially when you're a small company. You know, I've, I've worked with... Uh, client companies that the early conversations, I said, well, you know, what's your, how big are you? And they said, well, you know, four years ago, we did $12 million. I said, wow, that's pretty good because of the category they were in. So what, and, 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 and they said, well, now we're doing eight. So I said, so you're really at eight and that's your, that's your scale, that's your structure. And it didn't sound like they intentionally went down to eight uh, from some master plan point of view. It had more to do with the business got tough. Sometimes in this category of business, you are overly concentrated with one, uh, one type of uh, one customer, even one actual branded customer. If you're part of one of these manufacturing ecosystems, like in Connecticut and aerospace and so on, it's not unlikely that you have one very big uh, contract 
And if that goes sideways on you, you are really seriously exposed, even at the level of survival. So we do look at revenue as being a beginning part, but it's certainly not the end. But you want to track, do you have, and again, this is something you can track going back in time. How have we done revenue? Trailing 12 months are great for that. Um, if any of you are members of Vistage or other groups like that, they probably advise you to do that. If you have a CFO, it's always good to see if time stopped these 12 months, these 12 months, these 12 months, it gives you a picture how you're doing as a company. Uh, we do look at inside revenue. Is it is it if you have a big bump in revenue, was it one contract? Was it that you're selling more of the products you want to sell? Uh, are customers buying more from you? You know, there's a lot of things that go into the quality of revenue, but broadly speaking, revenue is a simple measure to track and to have a goal for. And then with a couple of tools like uh, a decent pipeline process, uh, which we won't cover in this series, but I have covered before and we'll cover again, um, you can actually start getting a forecast, a, a perspective of how are we going to be doing in six months or in 12 months, or maybe even 18 months, depending on how long your sales cycle is for whatever you sell. So revenue is the first thing you should have a growth goal for. The second is margin. And margin goes into uh, two metrics, really, for margin. One is percentage or your average margin. And, and when I'm talking about margin, I mean gross margin, just what you sell less the, the, the basic cost of goods sold for that item. And I understand cost accountants, I mean, you know, they can get into, uh, you know, how many angels fit on the head of a pin, that kind of discussion. So it's it doesn't have to be. Um, that you're going to answer this question like to the like like trying to solve for pi to the hundredth place, but you should have a sense of what is your margin across the board for your business. Are you a forty percent margin business or a sixty percent or a twenty percent margin business? So you should have a goal for increasing margin because increased margins means that you've probably increased the value to your best customers, and they're willing to pay you a little bit more. It doesn't mean that if you're in a highly competitive space with 20% margins on average, and you're right there, that you're going to go to 40. But if you go to 22, I know this is a little like heady, but just think about that. If, if the average for your industry is 20 and you go to 22, that means you enjoy 10% greater margin percentage than your competitors. Just think about that, right? So on $10,000 of business, everyone else is making $2,000 gross margin. You're making $2,200. That's real extra money. That could be reinvested in your business and so on, right? So you're enjoying greater margins. So you can't get to profitability until you have margins going in the right direction. And then I also love looking at margin contribution in dollar terms, not just a percentage, but what actual gross margin did we generate as a business? So if you did $10 million top line, your 32% margin business, then you generate $3.2 million worth of gross margin to work with. So you can set a goal. Where do you want that to go? You may find that you may go in the other direction and say, well, we think we can get to $4 million of margin if we're willing to live at 28% instead of 30. Just think about how that math could work. Then you can work that back into what does our revenue have to look like? Then it can't be 10, it has to be like 11. Um, so and where is that going to come from, right? So this is just setting the goals. That's basically it. Just setting the goals, getting everybody on the same page. And like any other goal setting, it's very important that you set goals that you and your team believe are attainable 
but that maybe represent a little discomfort. Like it shouldn't feel like you already have locked it in and you know it's coming because you have these contracts and that's not a goal. A goal is where, where more can you be? What more can you achieve? If only a few things uh, went your way, you got a little smarter, a little better, a little faster. All those things could really contribute to a little bit more revenue, a little bit more margin contribution, maybe a better margin percentage. And then now you can look at profitability. Classically, EBITDA is a good way to look at it. And I'm not going to argue that point with finance folks. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it, but basically your net profit. Now, if you're closely held, owner-led, uh, I am saying for your purposes, uh, factor in uh, what you think your, your uh, compensation is above what it would take to replace you. So if you're a CEO and you're pulling, let's say for the sake of round numbers, 400K out of the business annually as salary, and, and I'm not arguing about tax treatment or anything, just use it, to use the round number on the example, and, uh, and you know you'd replace your function with a decent executive with knowledge of your industry for 200 then in reality, you're pulling $200,000 of profit out of the business, which is fine. You're entitled to, you pay taxes on it, no problem. But from a goaling perspective, we want to take that into account. It's really important that you have a perspective on what your business really generates from a profitability point of view. So again, these are things you can, you can track over time, right? That they're in your P&L, they're in your tax returns. Uh, with a little spreadsheet work, you can probably get to this real number. You can have a goal for it, and then now you can forecast. You can actually think about how it's going to do. And then that forecast becomes based on what is uh, presently booked, presently invoiced out on the street, and presently uh, uh, being bid with high probability of closing. You factor those things in. Now you can start forecasting. And it, it, I know it sounds overly simplistic, but if you're in that size business, you, you can do this. It can be done. It's a little spreadsheet work or a little yellow pad work. It's an afternoon at Starbucks, but you can noodle this and get a handle on this as long as you don't try to resolve it like you're doing a moon launch, because then you could spend a lot of extra time, 80% more time to get to maybe 5% more precision. And then you'll get tired of the exercise and you won't do it again. So it's really important that this is something you do regularly. You set your revenue goal annually. You say, this is our revenue goal. With 10 million, we want to get to 12.5 this year. That's your goal. What does that look like by quarter? If you're a seasonally based business, adjust your quarters accordingly. Margin. We generate on, on with 10 million now, we generate 30% margin. We think we can hold 30% margin on 12 million. That means we're going to make 3.6 million in margin contribution. Now, EBITDA, what affects EBITDA? Well, those two certainly contribute to it. Sales, right? Sales, collections, and so on. And again, won't get into the conversation around cash register accrual, but most of you, if you're owner, privately held, probably on some form of cash. But if you're big enough, you might have gone to accrual. Fine either way, as long as you're consistent year over year. But EBITDA, the things that affect EBITDA is, is things like looking at cost containment, things that affect profitability. So maybe there's a process that you're looking at that's very labor intensive. And you say, you know, maybe this is the year we take a pause, bring somebody in to help us, like maybe engineer new drawings for the machine we make. And as a result, you actually make new efficiencies happen. You increase your margin actually on that machine because you don't have to drop the price of it. 
uh, or you increase your revenue because you drop the price slightly to win more competitively and you make more money in the process. So again, you can track, goal, and forecast these things. And the last one, and this is really tricky, and, and again, I want to be very careful that I don't give you the impression that this is this simple, but it's good to track some sort of proxy for valuation. Now, you can go out and get a valuation done, and, and the reality is the only true valuation is what somebody's really willing to pay you for your business at the time you're ready to market it. So that's a really tough thing to figure out in advance. But, you know, a good rule of thumb. It's just a back of the napkin and it varies widely by industry. And I am not an exit planning specialist, although I've played one on TV, right? So I, I know enough to know. But if you just said, come up with a metric you're comfortable with, maybe you do a little investigating in your space and you say, okay, it looks like manufacturers, if you're in manufacturing or this kind of service business, maybe it's three times EBITDA. The point is you keep that constant and use the same formula over time. So all of a sudden you realize that if, you, if your EBITDA was a million dollars, that means your business is worth 3 million. But if your goal is to get EBITDA up to 1.2, the same multiplier times three, that means your valuation is potentially 3.6. Markets change, interest rates, capital markets, all those things affect the actual offer you'll get, the terms, understand all of that. But it's good to kind of have just that. And this may be your private radar as the owner. Maybe you don't share this number with your team. But if you have your EBITDA number, you can just back of the napkin say, okay, I'm comfortable with three. Four is ambitious. Five, you better have something very proprietary uh, that's unique in terms of, and not that you have one big customer, but that you actually have a quality of revenue that's spread out among many customers, perhaps more than one product line. Those are things that buyers tend to look for and value. Uh, but again, not trying to come with a, an exact valuation, just it's a number that's good for you as an owner to say, okay, that's that gets interesting for me when that number becomes 5 million or becomes 7 million. So you can even work back into what does that mean in terms of EBITDA, in terms of margin, in terms of revenue goals. So you can start actually putting out a three or a five-year goal for yourself, depending on when you think you want to pull the trigger. And again, who knows what the markets are going to look like in three or five years? Nobody knows for sure. But it's a good thing to know that what you're working so hard on, probably for many years, has value. Uh, the moment, the timing for that value can change. People had beautiful homes in 2008 that they could not sell at any price. In 2006, they could have sold it for, for amazing prices. And then back into 2012, they could sell it again, but it wasn't a windfall. Markets change like that for businesses as well. And if you've been owning a business for a while, you know this is true. So again, establish growth goals that you can actually track, set a goal for, and forecast. And the four we recommend are revenue, your top line, margin, both percentage and dollars, EBITDA, if possible, with if you if you if you are if you know you're you're actually pulling money out which you're entitled to, but more than a new buyer would value, in other words, they would they would replace you with somebody at a certain price point, then make that adjustment for your EBITDA, but be consistent with that. But again, this is this is back of the napkin CFO stuff. It's not don't hire a CFO to do this. You can do this with the numbers you have. 
But the big value here is the forecasting. And let me just tell you why that's so important. That helps you know going forward. So trailing 12 months is very powerful. How are we doing thus far? So if you're in April, you're looking at how are we doing from May of last year to the end of April of this year, right? And if you're in June, you're looking at basically from July through the end of June. It's always a 12-month period. That kind of tells you how hot your engine's running right now. And you're looking at top line, margin, EBITDA. Great. I have an idea of that. So I can track going back in time how I've done in those four dimensions. And then I can actually, I should have had a goal already, what I wanted to do. So am I on pace for that goal? What did I need to hit? And if you know that you've had better Q1 and Q2 than expected, you can have your goal number for Q3 and Q4 stay the same, but your forecast now is the year is going to be a positive year, better than goal, right? Because you already know Q1 and Q2 are better. On the other hand, let's say Q1 and Q2 are 10% down in all those dimensions from what you expected. Keep Q3 and Q4, what you had gold for originally, you're still going to forecast this year below your goal. So then you know, what's my delta? What would I have to do in Q3 and Q4? And you see how that discussion with your leadership team could turn into action, could turn into asking the right questions. What do we do now? But again, having the goals is one of the, is, is basically the foundation of your strategy. It's the reason you have the strategy. You formulate a strategy to accomplish the goal. You cannot formulate a strategy without goals that are measurable, that are objective, because then you'll never know if you got there. And that's not very animating. That's not very, uh, that's not very motivational for anybody, including you. So just think about this. We'll ponder the next four questions as we go through the series. So until then, this has been Jose Palomino, CEO of Value Prop and host of Business Growth on Purpose. And if you are the owner operator of a B2B company in that, let's say, $2 million to $30 million revenue size, and you want to talk a little bit more about strategy, drop me a line. Literally, you can send me an email at jose at, J-O-S-E, at valueprop, V-A-L-U-E-P-R-O-P.com. Happy to respond. Um, and uh, we can just have a chat. See if there's something there in what you're doing. Any questions on, on this series that you have, love to answer them. And uh, just any way we can be helpful. So in any case, uh, to your success, take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, Come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.